Welcome to the Wrestle Down! Down, 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 Wrestle Down! We talk wrestling every week. Uh, my name is Jer Plopel, Twitter.com, Swing Dingling, and Dennis Bruno at Sensei Denny V on the Instagram, dbruno42 on Twitter. And we've got my, our mascot, Keaton Kitten Man. What you doing, old man? You touching my face? <laughs> <laughs> or am I touching yours? I don't remember who is who now. I, I can see what's happening, and I'll let the, the listener decide what happened. <laughs> He's a little man. <laughs> Uh, much like all the little mans we saw in wrestling this week. <laughs> Wrestlers getting littler. This right. Every week we just keep hoping for them to be micro-sized. Getting littler, getting less mans. Uh, that's how... <laughs> they shave off one ball a week. Yeah, you'd is... think that they'd run out of balls. You'd be right. <laughs> They're going to stop. Just like the dodgeball in uh, the Orange Cassidy show. That's right. Rewatch that a little bit uh, the, this week with Alyssa. It's so good. Yeah. I I have three different people that I've like promised to watch it with, and I've only gotten as far as like two or three matches with any of them before somebody falls asleep or lunch breaks run out. Yeah, but it's it's so good. Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's weird to watch like on a pay per view. It's also the commentary team is hit or miss for me. But. Yeah, it it feels like the commentary team for that show specifically, Orange Cassidy, does the yeah. thing. Uh, we're like, um, the female commentator just seemed incredibly happy to be there no matter what. Yeah. And the guy wanted to shit on everything. Right. So it was a tough counterbalance. But we saw it live, so I am always going to watch it with that energy of, I can't believe I was there for the funniest live show I've ever seen. Yeah. It's a good time. But uh, another great thing. There wasn't much wrestling and notable that happened this week. But uh, we can talk a little bit of New Japan Pro Wrestling's Dominion. I mean... That in and of itself, for the two of us, like, you you a huge New Japan fan, me growing in fandom by the week, um, the biggest things were, like, the best of the Super Juniors feeding into it of my precious angel, Kota Ibushi, almost getting brained on the side of a, yeah. a ring apron. Unfortunate, uh, but he <laughs> seems fine. That's the thing, like, he's just this angelic, indestructible <laughs> dog yeah. that, like, keeps... Like, doing what it wants. It never wants to win, really. Yeah. But it always wants to compete. Yeah. He's a dog that does flips. Yes. And uh, there aren't that many of those. I've watched some dog shows. Not a lot of... <laughs> <laughs> Not near as many flips. So, Ooh. yeah. Uh, big, big, big week for dogs. <laughs> <laughs> big week for dogs. We did a podcast uh, segment just for them. A little, <laughs> little quick moment there. Yep. Oh, uh, God. Okay. Uh, but yeah, just looping back to Ibushi, I just, what I admire about him more than anything else is that I've been doing martial arts for a long time, and he throws a kick like people throw a bat in their hands. Mm-hmm. And it's, just, it's the same impact. It's his entire shin bone just across somebody's chest all the time. Yep. Yeah, he's powerful. He had a match with uh, Tetsuya Naito at Dominion, which is yep. the second biggest show of the year. Uh, it's kind of like New Japan SummerSlam, except it's the beginning of summer where everyone's still energetic and happy. Uh, <laughs> and not like looking forward to school and, and whatever else right. ends at summer. Like WWE's stinky SummerSlam. Right, oh, Keaton? man. Chairs dropping the first stinky of the episode, folks. <laughs> Things are only going to get more heated from here. No, I think Keaton thinks SummerSlam stinky because <laughs> I wasn't home for them a couple of years ago. It's right. hard, yeah. It's hard for Keaton to rub his face on SummerSlam. That's that's yeah. the biggest thing. <laughs> yeah, it's because it's usually far away. It's in uh, Toronto this year, but uh, yeah. Oh dang. Yeah, yeah. Dominion, 
Fucking good show. Excellent. Yeah. Top to bottom. Um, like, if if you're going to open any show, which, like, this is the excellent burden that every pro wrestling company has in the world. They start with John Moxley mm-hmm. against Shuda uh, Umino. Yeah. And um, Shuda is, oh, Shuda, sorry, yeah. is about to go on excursion. He has to be. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's been a young lion for a while. Right. About maybe, maybe at the end of the year. Because it seems like he's going to stick, like, basically what happened, it was a squash match because John Moxley's John Moxley and yep. Shuda Boot. Shota Umino is just a, a young lion, so that's his job. He loses. The son of a referee, if like, you will. Yeah, it was a, it's like a three-minute match. It was fun. Yeah. Uh, and then at the end, John Moxley adopted Shota as his personal uh, young lion. Yeah. And said that he wanted to be in the G1 Climax Tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that is that like the match, the nights that uh, his block wouldn't have a match. He would be in a match, in a tag team match, as a preview for whatever is next for him. Yep. So he does need a tag team partner, and he doesn't have any faction to join. So why not adopt the arguably best young lion and uh, drag him around and promise him sake? Yes, it, it's one of the best tropes in the world of wrestling of just two guys that don't necessarily have a connection until they fight, then are bonded because they fought. Yeah. Because I mean, it start the very much like you said, it's three four minutes, but showed up. Jumps out of the ring and cannonballs on Moxley before yep. the match even starts. Yeah. He's like, yep, here we go. Let's go. That's how you earn his respect. Right. You come hard. It's true. <laughs> Very. <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> we got an eight-year-old little man's in the room. It's true. No, wait. Keaton's 12, but still too young. Right. Too young to get that joke. Emotionally, he's four years younger than that joke. <laughs> too, too young for the joke. Also, he's a cat. So. <laughs> also, he's been pissed. So it's also insensitive. <laughs> <laughs> for you to joke that way. He was, yeah, he was angrily just shaking his paw. Yeah. But, yeah, it, it gets better, the show Dominion gets better from there. Shingo fights Kojima, which, yep. um, as I've been getting more into New Japan, Kojima was one of the, like, four guys that stuck in my head after watching him fight. Right. He does a cutter as a transitional move, which, like, I'm always used to seeing RKOs, so yeah. I just, I love any of his tributes to Kenta Kobashi with mm-hmm. the chops in the corner, I and Shingo is introduced to the heavyweight realm by just beating the shit out of him. Yeah, but not like... it's diff- He has to adjust because he's so used to just powering through all these lightweights, and now he's fighting heavyweights, and it's, yep. it's an interesting dynamic, which I really liked as the second match. Yeah. And then they did some tag matches, which I, I didn't care about. I was like... I tried to watch it live, and then around this time I started like realizing, oh, I'm watching this, but my brain's not processing any of the information... Oops, Tanahashi has a new finisher, maybe? Yeah. I don't know. It's it's a real banner... It's been a real banner like 12 months for uh, veterans debuting new finishers. Yeah. Like, Tanahashi's, like, weird... It's like a cutter kind of thing, or like a sling blade weird thing. Uh, John Cena had the lightning fist, which was <laughs> basically a backhand. Shuffle, shuffle, <laughs> touch. Yeah. And Jericho has the Judas Elbow, which... Uh, is a very cool move, name for a move that he's been doing for 20 years, not calling attention to it. Good lord. I mean, I'm of the mind that anytime the move is a finisher, the person doing it should do it better than anybody else does, or yeah. at least in, like, the top ten in the world, right? Yeah. I think um, Andrade has the best spinning back elbow in wrestling right now. Yeah. So, for Jericho to do it, it's kind of like your funky uncle. Yeah. Like, watch something on... I don't know, like, America's Funniest Home Videos, I'm just like, I can do that even better. It's like, no, that was that was either hard work or by accident. You yeah. can't. It's weird. Yeah. And, I mean, there's only one funky uncle, and that's Taguchi. Yeah! <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, the middle of it, it's just... 
it, it, Dominion's one of those shows where until you get to Dragon Lee versus Osprey after Shingo, it just feels like everything kind of bleeds together. Yeah, it's which all is, set up to other things. Yeah, which is weird, because, like, Jay White versus Tanahashi is always something that should kind of be, like, like glue your eyes to it. I was just kind of like, no, let's move on. Yeah, because they've already, they've already fought. They're, like, setting up for other things. Right. Um, but a lot of it's just previewing for the G1 that starts in late next month, I think. Yeah. Yeah, July 29th or so, yeah. So, I mean, and I really like Dragon Lee versus Osprey itself. Yeah. I feel like it's one of those matches that I don't think anything that they could have done together unless they just agreed to be more bonkers than the best of the Super Juniors finals was going to top it. Yeah, but it's, one, it's one of those things that, like, when you have a tournament, like, the like second to last round usually is a little bit better than the finals because right. everyone's, you know, they're, they're less fresh than they were four days ago, right. whatever, whatever it was. Uh, but I liked it a lot. I think Oscar is the logical winner. He he's the heir apparent. I think in like maybe two three years, if not sooner, he's going to be in contention for the world title. Yep. And he's also in the G one because people just love hopping into the G one. Yeah. Uh, did he say he's going to be in the G one? He de- he declared sure? for it. He oh, wanted cool. to be in it. Cool. All right. I didn't um, see that. That's awesome. yeah. Because the big three from this show declaring for it were Moxley, him, and Osprey didn't say anything about it at the Dominion. I thought he did. I swear I saw, like, a promo or something about him wanting to do both. Like, that he did Best of Super Juniors and wants he, to do G1. I think he might have said that at the, um... Maybe sometime during the... The... Best of Super Juniors. But I don't think he said it at Dominion. The three... Okay. The three Dominion were Moxley, um... What's his name? And, uh... Fucking... Oh, Kenta. I was just gonna say, yeah. I mean, the... Shingo and Kenta, there we go. They... that That's who it was. Yeah. Yeah. So, you're, you're right. Um, so yeah, I really want to see Shingo in the G1, mm-hmm. Moxley's a sure fit, and then Katsuyu Shibata coming out with his fucking cool music, and yep. then, not to talk about himself, talk about his best friend. Yes. Friendship! Friendship! The other thing we celebrate on this podcast. Yeah! <laughs> it bonds people to make podcasts in violence. Oh, I, I met me and Keaton. <laughs> oh boy. Hey buddy. I'm just gonna rub my face on things. He came back. He came back because I said, we're friends. Because he's my buddy. Mm-hmm. Um, nah. Uh, Des and I are the best of friends. Yay! Um, but yeah. I'll stop uh, rubbing my face on things. <laughs> yeah, just, uh, you can rub your face on the mic. Pat gave it to me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's why we should be giving things. We take care of them. We're American. <laughs> I, just read, I just read a random thing about um, those, like, uh, rideshare scooters. That they are all over the city and how people yep. just do not take care of them. No. And it is hilarious. Yeah. I fucking similar with line bikes. I was walking to work this morning right before I got to the train station. It started raining. Yeah. Somebody's line bike ran out like halfway to the over part of the train station. So it was just in the rain. Yeah. So I was like, oh, that's lazy. I kicked up the kickstand, started rolling it. It was like, no, you didn't pay for me. Like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're going to get wet and stupid now. Apparently in California, people are just throwing them into the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that yeah. is American. Yeah. If I, I mean, I know we live near enough to the ocean to do that technically, but I mean, it's it's a hassle from where we are, we're living. Yeah. Us. So if I lived oh, God. coastally <laughs> in Candelina or uh, California near a beach, I would do that in a God. heartbeat. Imagine that you're in a member of a school of fish, <laughs> and like you're, <laughs> you're the runtiest one. You can't get enough feet as everyone else, and you're just like. What's that? Oh, no one else is even paying attention to that, and it's just a scooter you can't eat. <laughs> uh, um, we're the wor- people are the worst. <laughs> we're killing the planet. Anyway. Some people are killing themselves in wrestling. Yes! Go to, wait, the next 
I know how to transition. Um, <laughs> seven years of stand-up comedy has helped me with that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Six years of improv, I'm waiting to yes and something. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, Dragon Lee, Will Ospreay was amazing, but, yeah. like, uh, less, less harrowing than the Shingo-Ospreay match, uh, I think. Yeah. Because it's kind of, like, hard to... It felt it very much felt like oh this is Dragon Lee just dropping off the title and then going back to like Mexico or wherever he's going to go next. That's exactly what it felt like, and I feel like the best of the Super Juniors carried more weight in part because it was Shingo's winning streak on the line as well. But Dragon Lee dropping it makes sense. We can go back to Mexico, even though he wasn't really a huge part of um, super, of New Japan unless yeah. you count the all the Super Junior matches, which he did a ton. Right. So yeah, it makes sense. Um, it's it's. It's weird mentally for me because Osprey is now a former open weight champ, mm-hmm. um, never open weight champ, and now he's the, he's the current super uh, junior champ or uh, juniors champion. But he's still heavy, so it's yeah. like it's the same Shingo problem from before. Mm-hmm. I'm just like clearly this man is heavier than this weight division, but he's so good, no one's really complaining. In kayfabe, he's like six pounds underweight, mm-hmm. so I think that you know makes sense. Okay, maybe he'll like, oh, maybe he'll. Oh, I would love it if Will Osprey showed up like Fat Thor. <laughs> in Australia, <laughs> and then, like, just had to drop the title, <laughs> but, um, yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to that, he's gonna defend against Robbie Eagles at their Australia show a little while back, which also has the name, the word showdown in it, yep. like WWE's Saudi Arabia show, but this one is actually down geographically in the Southern Hemisphere. Under. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they did uh, Nights Over Zabushi for, what, the third time this year-ish? Yeah, definitely, because Zabushi, yeah. uh, oh, God. I I watched this match, and you had warned me, friend yeah. of the show, Patrick O'Connor, had warned me, other people had warned me before yeah. I saw anything. This is going to be violent. And the first half of the match is, like, hard-hitting, and it's competitive, and then they got on the apron, and shit goes crazy. Yeah. They, like, drop Zabushi, like... I mean, not even really neck first, like the side of his head first, pushing into his shoulder first, uh, if you can imagine that, like with all of his body weight on top of him, which is like, oof, I I mean, they're, they're pro, that, that was intentional. Yeah. So I think like, I mean, in some ways it must help to be prepared for that kind of hit, but it still looks awful. Like I've seen, uh, I don't know if I said this in the chat, but I've seen like plenty of like, wrestling shows where, like, they'll show a replay, and people are like, oh. Yeah. But this is one where, like, they showed the replay, and there were literally screams. Yeah. Like, it was a horror movie. It, he could have died. Yeah. And, I mean, a lot of things can be said about how dangerous wrestling is, even something as simple as, like, a suplex or a body slam. But, like you said, this was planned. Yeah. Like, Kotobushi and Tetsuya Naito set out to bang my head off as hard as you can. Yeah. Through, with a German suplex, which is very dangerous in general to get thrown on your neck and head. Yep. But it, it's this testament to both of them in terms of, like, Net, Naito didn't break. He was professional and kept shit-kicking him. Yep. Abushi finished the match. And, like, you mentioned Showdown. Goldberg can cuss himself before his matches. Couldn't do a fucking thing. Yep. Abushi should have concussed himself and continued on to have an amazing match. Yeah. I, I was watching that, and I was like, well, he seems, you know... Like, I remember when uh, Hiromu Takahashi, like, injured his neck uh, and had to, you know, he's still out yeah. uh, to date. But, like, the end of that match, the last, like, three moves that he had to do to win the match, uh, it was like, oh, something's wrong with this guy now. Yeah. But, like, Ibushi, it's like, oh, he's just fine, which is insane. Yeah. But, you know, uh, I mean, it's their choice, but they do... God, they are on a mission to kill each other, and I'm yeah. glad that this is supposed to be, like, the last 
one. I swear to freaking God, if they wind up in the same block in the G1, I'm going to be pissed. Yeah. Because I don't want to spend night one of the G1, like, crying because one of them died. Exactly. Probably like, Ibushi. Yeah. I mean, Ibushi's one of these, like, thankfully freak athletes like Lesnar. Yeah. Like, when Lesnar did his shooting star press at WrestleMania 19, landed on his head, he was in such good shape. Yeah. He didn't die. They both have, like, massive traps. Yeah. Massive traps, just like a lifetime of being in very good shape, mm -hmm. like, very flexible all time. So, yeah. Hats off to Tetsuya Naito. He won the match. He should have won the match. If his ongoing through line is he wants to be the first double champion, let's fucking go. Yeah. Let's see if the, that can happen. I think, yep. like, having him, him having the title going into the G1 is going to make that interesting. Yeah. Uh, especially because it also covers up the, like, the, the plot hole of, like, he doesn't respect the IC title at all. Right. Uh, but he keeps winning it somehow. He keeps finding himself in these positions to win it from other people. So now he has a reason to want it. And that's good. Yep. Um, I, yeah, I'm curious now, just kind of, with that in mind, I don't think he wins the G1 this year. No, I think, because he's won it twice already. Yeah. Um, but, does that mean he wins, like, the IWGP heavyweight title before Wrestle Kingdom? Probably not. Yeah. I love Okada as champion, which right. makes perfect sense, because he does a great job with it. So, I like that <clears throat> it's his ongoing mission. It casts doubt on who's going to win the G1, and I think... I was talking about two other people about this. I'm just like, he's tread so much water with people like... Which is not to say, like, these opponents haven't been incredible. With people like Ibushi, Suzuki, and Jericho yeah. that, like, have kept him away from the main event. Right. Like, specifically. He's got to win it sometime for all of this goodwill that he's been building up. It yeah. feels like. He's like their hottest uh, talent. Yeah. So. Who is an Okada. Right. Yeah. I think, uh... I feel like Ibushi's going to win it this year. I think it's his year. Mm. I don't know who's going to be champion going into it. But I do think Ibushi's going to win it. Yeah. And then uh, we'll see what happens after that. Yep. Maybe Jay White. I feel like they haven't done Jay White Ibushi <laughs> ever. But that also doesn't seem like a main event no. level match, which is... Yeah. I think that if New Japan had really wanted to go with Jay White as like champion into, the, into something like the G1, mm -hmm. he wouldn't have lost to Okada in Madison right. Square Garden. I think that Jay White is like... It ex exemplified by we breeze past his part of Dominion, right? Yeah, he's he's on his way to being a main eventer. Mm -hmm. He he got the title, he got a shot. Right, he's not all the way there yet, and that's yeah, fine. He totally. will be. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think yeah, Abushi's a strong contender to win it. Um, Tanahashi just seems so friggin' broken now yeah. that I don't think <laughs> he's mean, ever going to do it again. I think that I uh, I do think that that was his last title uh, reign. But, yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah. like, win the G one because oh, that's no. yeah. supposed to be grueling. Yeah. Um. So yeah, if you, oh, even though Naito, like, he's won it twice, might as well do it a third time, I guess. I feel like it's Naito, Ibushi, or question mark. Yeah. Yeah, right, we'll see who's entered. Um, but, uh, what'd you think about the main event? I think that... It was uh, Chris Jericho versus uh, Kazuchika Okada. Yeah, for the title. Yes. Um, I think that it is one of those things where I'm glad I'm a wrestling fan for as long as I've been a fan, mm -hmm. because if I watch this match in a vacuum, I'd wonder, why is the hot guy fighting the older one? Yeah. Um, Jericho was great at character work. One of the best. Yeah. Great at work in the crowd, great at using props around the ring, like cameras and water bottles and titles. But he is at an age where he can't physically keep up with Okada. He couldn't right. do it with Omega, either. Yeah. So the last two main event matches he's had, it's just clear that he's older, and that's fine. Because he, he doesn't deliberately do things that he's bad at, mm. but you can see that Oka in this match, you can see Okada slowing down, mm. and they're taking fewer risks, and the the pace itself is just more deliberate, Yeah, which was fine, but there wasn't really a story going into it. Right, yeah, that's true too, that was, I did like, uh, 
Jericho calling himself the pain maker, and then Okada <laughs> being like, what even is a pain maker? Yeah. Which is some good promo stuff, but yeah, you're right, there's not really a story to it, it's just like Jericho showed up, uh, wanted a title shot, he's a legend, Yep. why not? Mm-hmm. And then uh, he got his title shot. That's the, yeah, I mean, the the story, it, it it's the story of every wrestler trying to make the most of what they're given, right? Yeah. So like you said, he's the pain maker, so they had the pre-tape where he's just covered in, like, metal studs, <laughs> and he's just screaming into the camera, because, like, mostly these promos are meant more for, like, a Japanese audience than, like, for you or me. Yeah. So I get that the style is different on purpose, mm-hmm. but it's legitimately two minutes of him in a dark-lit carnival yelling, yeah. Pain maker! Okada! I'm gonna beat you! <laughs> It's just yeah. like, oh, God. Yeah, well, you know, he he got all the creative freedom in the world and decided to be uh, the threatening version of the ICP. And, uh, <laughs> that is amazing, you know, in, in its own way. But I thought, I, I'm more forgiving about the match because I feel like they're going to do another one. Yeah. So they had to save something a little bit. And I kind of credit Jericho because, like, his first, I don't know, three or four matches in New Japan were kind of like... Just, like, him brawling outside the ring, putting, like, Naito through a table or doing something, like, illegal on the outside and whatever. Yep. And then, uh, but, like, the past couple, he's been kind of keeping it relatively clean. Yeah. Like, he pulled out a table but didn't come into play until after the match. Yep. Um, and I think he keeps up well enough. Yeah. It's not like, I don't really expect too much out of him at this point, but, like, it's good enough to be the main event. I just wish that, like, I think the problem with this match was that it didn't go into, like, another gear. No. It just kind of... Um, my friend Alicia Siegel uh, made it, had a good point. He pointed out that uh, it ended with the same way that Okada got the first win at la- uh, at last year's Dominion. Yep. That's the same way he got the that pin, which is a good callback that I didn't even realize. Right. Um, but it also was very sudden, not one of his finishers, just a wrestling roll-up. Yeah. And uh, didn't... Uh, it just... It felt like... It felt like half of a match. Right. It, exactly to what you're saying. There was no real crescendo. There was no real climax because, again, the, there's not really any context or background aside from Jericho. Jericho was given this, yes, like, yeah. Because if I'm unless I'm remembering incorrectly, he lost his last match in New Japan. Right. So, like, it's always weird when a contender comes off a loss and doesn't yeah. have like he murdered somebody to get here. <laughs> yeah. Like he didn't like kill evil or anybody who's fought recently. He just right. was like, I'm in a dark carnival. I want to fight you. Yeah, he's had. I think his his record in New Japan is like two two. Yeah, something like that. It yeah, like he's beaten Naito. Did he, lost he beat Naito? He lost to Omega. He beat Naito once. Yep. Beat oh evil oh, evil lost to Naito again. So I guess he's uh, two three. Two now. three. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, he he should be used like a main event. I don't want to. F- I I think he would do well with somebody like Juice or yeah. Taichi or Ishii. But this is where he belongs. Yeah. He belongs in, like, the upper mid-card mm. to main event. He, I mean, they set up uh, Jericho versus Tanahashi. Nice. At the end of this. Yep. At the end of this event. Which, that was the big payoff. Yes. Of the mega powers of New Japan, Okada and Tanahashi, formally, well, more formally than they have in the past, being like, we're arm-in-arm arm now, because there's mutual threats that are tearing our factions apart. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think, like, I'm imagining Jericho Tanahashi at the Dome. Yep. Which, it, I mean, if they do that, maybe the... G1 where it won't even be the main event right that time, but we'll see. But yeah, yeah I think that uh, that is a match that could be really good. Yeah, because Tanahashi's slower than Okada is for sure. Yep, but also is like roughly in the same place as Jericho physically. His his storytelling is basically the best in New Japan's because yeah. if you look back at his Wrestle Kingdom match with Omega, 
that it was all storytelling. Yeah. Omega can run just through everybody in an arena for 80 minutes if he wants to, because he's an incredible athlete mm-hmm. and he wrestles that pace. Tanahashi can't. He's older, he has certain injuries that are nagging, so yeah. that whole match was underdog Tanahashi versus overdog Omega. Mm-hmm. So if you have overdog Jericho through, through like emotional manipulation, mind games, crowd work, mm-hmm. everything else, Tanahashi can fight from underneath. Yeah. Maybe get overconfident if he's winning, because that's one of his character traits, and right. then they can trade back and forth momentum. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be great. Yeah, that's. Uh, I'm looking forward to that when they do it. Um, and I think, do, you have any, do we have any other thoughts about Dominion? Yeah, uh, Liger versus Suzuki. Give oh, me, yeah. oh, give yeah. me. I don't. I wonder when they're gonna do that. Yeah, because it like it can't happen. I feel like the earliest it could happen is probably the last night of the G one. Yep. Things, uh, but that seems like a big match. Like they've been building that for so long that it seems like a big enough match that they. M- I don't see how they could hold it off until the dome. Yep. As like Liger's last match. Right. But I could also kind of see them doing that and just kind of letting it hang in the air after. You know, for basically the summer, and then uh, maybe a couple tags in the fall, and then just letting it simmer for the entire month of December while the tag teams fart um, <laughs> around the rings. Yeah, and yeah, <laughs> that's how they fight. They don't really trade holds; they just levitate. You try watching the entire world tag league. I won't. <laughs> you can't make me. Yeah, it's not. Uh, it's I mean, I respect the tag teams, but New Japan does not give a fuck about tag teams. No, I That's, mean we fucking forgot about the tag team title match. Is how little they do. I didn't know it was booked. Honestly, yeah. like I looked at the card and it, it to what you say. Like there's only one company in the world in terms of just like notoriety that cares about its tag teams, and it's AEW, and they've had two shows. Yes. So until other companies start to follow that pattern mm-hmm. or don't, that's really the only place you can go to to see like really gripping tag team wrestling. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Losinger not like Sonata and Evil didn't win. Yeah, <laughs> that's about as yeah. much as I want to say. I know there's like they've fought so many times that yeah. like if that was my first time seeing them, I would have been like, this is really good. Right. But uh, we're I don't I couldn't even really name another tag team uh, in New Japan currently. Oh, the Killer Elite Squad, which like I don't think I don't know if Davy Boy Smith is with the company anymore. Yeah, he may not be available. Yeah, um, I only mentioned them because my all time favorite. Uh, Lance Archer moment yeah. is with all the like the urgency in the world mm-hmm. came up during like a multi-man Suzuki Goon match to Kevin Kelly at, I don't even remember what the show was but he just like smacks the table with his hands he goes did you tell him? <laughs> Kevin Kelly's like what? did you tell him everybody dies? <laughs> and he was just referencing his own entrance music <laughs> which is just everybody dies <laughs> and he's like oh, I love you Lance Archer yeah he like doesn't do much for me in the ring, but for character stuff, I love him. Yeah, and he seems he, like a sweet dude. Right, he's just the seven foot white menace who just like spits water at people who are just like very prim and proper. He's just like, I want to kill people. Yeah, but he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> he's a warrior who picks flowers. Right. Um, so that's our review of God versus Evil and Sonata. <laughs> Congratulations, could, Sonata! You don't have a stupid beard anymore. Could have used Lance Archer. That's the problem. <laughs> And the only reason I'm not bringing up uh, Tai Chi versus Ishii is because my man Tai Chi lost. Yeah. And I am... Ugh. That was his chance of being the G1. Yeah. Probably. Well, I mean, yeah. It, oh, tai Chi's a... I mean, listen, I'm, I'm half ironic when I say that. Right. Like, I, you know, I love Tai Chi, but I also actually also love Tai Chi on some level. Well, the thing... Like, when you first got me into New Japan, he was a junior. And yeah. I kept looking at him and was like, why is this pudgy dude a junior? He's not anything. Yeah. I don't, like, why is he doing karaoke... Why is this woman giving a shit about him? And then he became a heavyweight, and he's so much better. Yeah. 
So, I like him. I like Ishii better, but I like right. him. Yeah, I like him. I think it, I would like it in the G1 if he was, like, you know, the, the heel who cheats all the time. Yeah. While Yano's kind of a face who cheats all the time. Right. But, you know, uh, we'll see. Maybe he'll make it in anyway, based you, on, uh, fucking, I don't know, Yoshihashi <laughs> makes it in here somehow. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, God, that's the other big thing. Yoshihashi pins Zack Sabre. Oh, yeah. So, he's the number one contender for the Rev Pro He already was before the match. Oh. So, like, yeah. Um, they'll beat him again. Yeah. That'll be, that'll be a fun match. Yep. I, uh, Yoshiashi has the uh, unbelievable ability to make me think that he could win yep. every single time that he's going to lose. He, uh, Oh my god, but he's this unbelievable underdog where you yeah. watch his matches and you hope his feelings don't get hurt versus <laughs> him winning or losing. Yeah. Because, like, he has this, this just... Un- this unusual sad man. Right. <laughs> where, like, even if he won the title, I, I can imagine him pinning in this pop from the crowd and then him still being sad. Yeah. And it's like, what will fill the hole inside yeah. of Yoshiashi? Uh, yeah. I took the unusual uh, sad, sad man um, description from Up Rocks uh, because it's so perfect. Yeah, he can't. Uh, he just doesn't look. He looks like he doesn't. Uh, he doesn't know why he showed up to work today, <laughs> and there's nothing more relatable to that. God, the his most heroic moment of memory was when he tried to run full speed to the ring to save Okada from a beating, and he hurt himself. Yeah. He ran headfirst into the ring and, like, made himself bleed. And this isn't even recently. Yeah. That's the most important thing he's done, except for pins Zach Sabre Jr. recently. Yeah, he'll get, like, an occasional, like, surprise win. Mm. That's, like, where did that come from? Right. But, uh, but, and then he stands across the ring from people like Minoru Suzuki and you're just yeah. like, oh, d- don't ruin his day. Yeah. He's our, don't kick him when he's down. Oh, man. And then they do. <laughs> um, yeah. Dominion. Second biggest show of the year. I think it was a worthwhile show. Absolutely. No, it doesn't, I don't think it holds up to other Dominions from the past, like, two years, but yep. it's very good. Of, like, the big shows that have been put on recently of just, like, IT, yeah. uh, NXT 25, and Super Showdown. Yeah. Uh, NXT 25, Dominion, and then, uh, goddamn, why did Showdown happen? Yeah, I know. The thing, I, I, this one thing I will say about that is that it, I didn't even think... About the fact that it would be like a hundred degrees, yeah. Like to be wrestling in that heat is yep. unbearable. I feel even more than like the human rights issues apparent. I'm just like that's like inhumane, yep. Like environment to like put any kind of physical activity in. Yeah, prolonged ones because yeah. like the Undertaker Goldberg match, which is I think the match everyone was talking about, was only like eight minutes, I think. Yeah, but there were matches that went on for longer, and there was a fifty man battle royal right. because. Yeah. Which, like, hats off to Mansoor, because, like, that's always a fun thing when somebody from their, like, home country or their ethnic background gets to celebrate in front of a big crowd like that. Yeah. So good for him. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, like, we're, let's transition over to Segment Mania. Pew, pew, pew. Rewind, play. <laughs> I, I, I sample that and add it to the segment like theme song. <laughs> play, rewind, play. <laughs> then, now, then again. <laughs> uh, this week we uh, we're going to tackle some fucking wrestling documentaries <laughs> spurned on literally just because um, Viceland has been doing some really good work with uh, some documentaries lately. They have. Um, Two like two separate series that are documentaries about wrestling. One of them um, is Dark Side of Wrestling, which I haven't watched any of, but like they're they're covering like uh, 
Uh, there's an episode about Fabulous Moolah that I want to watch. Uh, Randy Savage and Elizabeth. Yeah. Uh, Montreal Screwjob. Which part of me, I'm interested in the Moolah one, but the other two kind of feel, and they're like other episodes, but the ones that I've, I've seen the titles of, I'm kind of like, I've seen like enough of this information. Right. Unless they dig up something explosive that I've never seen before, I kind of feel like it's well-trod ter- territory. Uh, but they've also got another um, series called The Wrestlers, which is hosted by uh, Damien... I uh, can't remember his name. But he's Sandow. The no. <laughs> he is the, it's Damien A. Abraham, maybe? He's the, okay. he's the lead singer of Fucked Up, which is one of my favorite bands. Mm-hmm. So uh, that is a, like a bonus thing yeah. that does not inform like, how good uh, these are. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing that got me in was because they did an episode about stardom, mm-hmm. which was kind of tremendous. Uh, you say you couldn't... You didn't have time to watch uh, any of them, right? Okay. I did not, no. Yeah, good. I recommend it. Um... Especially if you have a cable plan and can get past their ad-supported bullshit, right? Because they, they, it's, it's messed up. Yeah, uh, you got to get in like third. There's like a thirty-minute window that you can watch things in, but every episode's forty-five minutes. Oh, so like, yeah, I would like run out halfway. Yeah, like the first time I watched the Stardom thing, I wasn't aware of that. Mm. So like, Chris Wolf just said some random thing, and then it stopped, uh. and I was like. That was a weird time to end. Like, right. There was nothing, and then like I realized there was fifteen minutes more, and yep. it, it's a very it's a very satisfying watch. Mm. Um, it was filmed like a couple years ago, so like yeah. some WWE people, like uh, Tony Storm and uh, Zaya Brookside, show up in there. It's very nice. cool. Yeah, Viceland's had some like sneaky good content, even yeah. like outside of pro wrestling, because uh, my brother in law is a big fan of it, and he would watch uh, stuff on it. Uh, my friend Johnny Lopez. Uh, got me into just retroactively because they used to be on Viceland, they're on Showtime, Desus and Mero, mm-hmm. which is basically like a better version of Tosh.0. Yeah. And like way more charismatic and magnetic. Um, so I, I'm just, I'm hyped to watch these things uh, to talk about them more just because it, wrestling documentaries, I think, feel like what's most compelling about them when they're treated seriously, mm-hmm. like the Andre the Giant uh, documentary HBO did, even though there's already yeah. been stuff about that. True. Yeah. Um, I was reading something on the way over here about Cody Rhodes and how he was talking about like blood in AEW and read that too. when he was talking about it, which, you know, from reading it, it was just like, he wants to talk about pro wrestling on an even keel of movies and athletics. Mm-hmm. And like, it's a, it's a blend of two entertainment and, uh, like professional active sports. So like how it relates back to documentaries is just like, when you treat any kind of medium with a level of seriousness, even though pro wrestling is melodramatic male soap opera with a lot of pulp stuff and campiness. Yeah. But it's still at the end of the day, really athletic men and women who are choosing to trust each other to put their bodies in this really elaborate violent dance. Yeah. And the documentaries highlight why that's a beautiful art. Mm -hmm. Um, like you mentioned the screw job. I think the, the definitive thing for me in terms of, cause it was filmed in real time. Yeah. Is wrestling with shadows. Yeah. Documentary. Yeah. Because they didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. And the crew couldn't have known. And for me, the thing that stands out in terms of, like, explosive things is Bret Hart's wife lined up the Road Warriors, Mm -hmm. Triple H, and I think there may have been, like, one or two other wrestlers in a hallway opposite her in the British Bulldog and I think Owen or uh, uh, Jim Neidhart Mm. and just tore them apart. Just like, you all knew in some way this was going to happen. You all did nothing. And they stood there and said nothing because they could, what could they say in defense? Right. A minute later, Bret Hart opens the doors like, I just knocked out Vince McMahon. We have to leave the arena. <laughs> yeah. That that all happened. And, like, it's the type of thing where 
you and I, like, you're much better at suspending disbelief than I am at this point in, like, our wrestling fandom. Yeah. And the documentaries give you a sense of, like, permission to do that, but mm-hmm. also when to know, like, they're, they're peeling the curtain back. This is what's really happening. Yeah. Which wrestling can never get out of its own way in terms of just, like, no, this is real, but, like, oh, no, this is what's making you buy the next thing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um... Yeah, that's a, definitely a highlight. Like my, I tend to lean towards non WWE produced documentaries. I know you've seen a lot. Yeah. Uh, oh, I should bring up uh, the episode before the Stardom episode of Vice Lands of Wrestlers. Mm-hmm. Uh, focuses on former WWE wrestler MVP. Mm-hmm. Um, it was filmed. I want to say like 2017 ish. Yeah. Uh, when he's like he's winding down his career. I don't know if he's still out in the Indies doing things, but this is like him playing some friggin' plays like in front of like. 25 people uh, having some like very heartfelt matches but making new fans uh you know being kind of a legend in his own way but also being like yeah this is a lot of wear and tear yeah it kind of focuses it focuses mostly on him and his like perspective as he winds down and it's very human and then on the other side they spend a little bit of time on sammy callahan yep and they eventually have a match in mlw and they kind of it kind of fucks with the uh, uh, narrative of that they're selling because at the last minute they the Booker changes um, who's going to win. Yeah. Because uh, MVP goes in thinking, oh, it's going to be a passing the torch kind of thing. I'm going to pass the torch to Sam Callahan. Mm-hmm. But then they switch it so that MVP wins randomly yeah. for whatever reason. Right. And it kind of just, it kind of peters out a little bit, but it's such a human uh, look at people who are generally kind of superhuman. Right. Um, for, I mean, way, way, way before, um, like, YouTube had really exploded in popularity and there were, like, easily accessible independent forms of what's really happening in wrestlers' lives, uh, Cole Cabana's podcast was mm-hmm. my gateway to try to get an understanding of what, what's really happening behind scenes. Yeah. MVP's episode with him is incredible because yeah. he details that he robbed a cruise ship with yes. his friend, and that's why he went to prison. And that's why it was so miraculous, almost like DDP, that mm. he came back to wrestling late in life, mm. didn't really have as much going for him in terms of why he should have been successful, worked his way up to Ring of Honor and other things, and then became MVP. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah, it's a bit, yeah, his story, I didn't know that, because I only, I mean, I remember him from his WWE time, and then he fell off the radar for me, and I never uh, paid a ton of attention to him or his, his past, but that was a super interesting story that he, you know, spent time in jail and then kind of found redemption and like he's uh, the way he says it he's basically playing with house money at this point right so i mean the there there's a lot to be said about just wrestlers who um start late in life or with mvp specific start late in life and is like he's a black man and Mm -hmm. just probably had more shit to eat than other people did through virtue of that new jack on colt cabana said a similar thing of just like when me and mustafa were in wcw yeah. which was mind-blowing to me of, like, holy shit, New Jack was in WCW at some point before he was New Jack. Yep. He was basically told uh, by Dusty, like, you're going to lose this week, baby. And he was like, no, <laughs> if I do that, people are just going to keep pinning me. And yeah. Mustafa did, and he did. And mm-hmm. then New Jack didn't want to lose, and then he went on, off to Smoky Mountain and then found his way to ECW. Yep. But, like, it's humanizing, and it's, mm-hmm. it's you... I want to be more empathetic to wrestling characters through just wanting to root for them in real life. Yeah. Um, with MVP specifically, just kind of closing the loop for on him for me, um, we were there at WrestleMania this year. We got to watch Kofi Kingston win. Right. We got to feel that from the crowd among like 70,000 plus people. That's amazing for us. Kofi's from Winthrop, so I had a certain amount of connection to it. Yep. But 
he he's another black man and I'm never going to have like that sense of identity or that sense of connection. But there's a YouTube video of the reaction that MVP has with Shad Gaspard. Yeah. They're in a bar. They're in New York. They're just watching next to each other. Right. And to, they break into tears because yeah. Kofi wins. And for them, it, like, vicariously, they're winning. And, yeah. Like, that's so miraculous that mm. wrestling can do that for people. For sure. Yeah. yeah. And it's also a sign of, like, things changing, which is kind of cool to watch in real time in, like, as shown in some of these, like, documentaries. Yeah. Um, it's like a microsode of, an, of a documentary of just, like, here's two men who yep. arguably did or didn't get the chance that they deserved when they were in the WWE, and they're getting to watch somebody else who worked hard, paid his dues, respected other people, so they respected him back, mm-hmm. getting rewarded for, ultimately, in front of a world audience. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you've, I mean, we talked a little bit about this, but you've seen a bunch. Uh, you got any favorites? Yeah. Um, I The rise and fall of ECW, I used to watch... For about daily, um, for about three weeks after mm-hmm. I got it for Christmas, my senior year of high school. Oh wow! Um, because at that point, I'd never, it, as honestly as I thought it was at the time, knowing Paul Heyman's like an ultimate spinster, mm-hmm. as most wrestlers are. Um, because I had no idea really how it had started. Like yeah. I knew it was Eastern Championship Wrestling. I knew franchise Shane Douglas threw the title down and declared Eastern Championship Wrestling, ECW Extreme Championship Wrestling. But to understand how many things they innovated, which yeah. seemed, like, logical at the time. Like, mm. no one was doing three-way matches. Like, the WWE wasn't doing three-way matches, and WCW wasn't either. Yeah. They did. Right. So then other people did it. They incorporated live music on, like, a grand scale with, like, not really paying a ton of attention to license, which, I mean, for legal reasons, they should. Yeah. But they worked that in. The Sandman was an entrance, basically, for his career. Yeah. Um, New Jack and Mustafa, the, the gangster, the... I forget their tag name, but, like, they played music the entire time they fought. Mm-hmm. Um, it's three hours long. If you've never seen it, you get a carve-out time. Um, nice. The first time I tried to sit through it, I fell asleep because yeah. it was so friggin' long and there's so much density to it. Right. But it was one of those things, like, a good documentary with rewatches. there's mm-hmm. more things. Like, you mm-hmm. understand the Dudley Boys were helping with booking. Tommy Dreamer was selling merchandise. Rob Van Dam was the hottest thing in the world, but he quit because they couldn't pay him. Yeah. Like, these amazing bits of nuance to so much of what I loved. Like, we talked about this on a past episode. Me and my brother stayed up till 3 in the morning on Saturdays to watch ECW. Mm. And, like, I'm still the only one in my family who's ever paid for an ECW pay-per-view. <laughs> yeah. I paid four ninety five. My right. brother offered to split it with me. He welched. Yep. So my allowance for that month went to ECW. Yeah. And I hope they appreciate it. I hope, <laughs> I hope Rob Van Dam got at least two of those $4. Right. Right. <laughs> God, he's probably still owed it, but yeah. and he just signed with Impact, so who, who knows? Maybe he's getting paid better now. Yeah, but maybe. Um, that's one of my favorites. Uh, wrestling with Shadows, mm. or not Wrestling with Shadows, uh, Beyond the Mat is what yes, I was thinking. Yes, I was of. gonna bring that one up. Yeah, yeah. that was a, that's a crazy one to watch. If you yeah. see, that's uh, uh, they like basically filmed like three separate uh, stories essentially, mm-hmm. circa what was it like nineteen ninety nine ish. Um, is a little earlier than, oh, actually, no, you're right, you're right. Yeah, it's around, like, I I'm, I might be watching on, like, Beater by, like, a couple years, but, right. like, uh, they basically track, uh, Mick Foley in the run-up and aftermath of his match with The Rock, where he takes, like, 14 chair shots to the head. Unprotected. Uh, yeah. Yep. Uh, they, they cover Jake Roberts, and he, I think, like, reunites with his daughter or something, but he's still, like, in the messed up phase of his life before he, you know, uh, gets into yoga and cleans up him. Uh, seemingly for good. Yeah. Fingers crossed. What was the third? They did like, oh, uh, Draws. GCW. Oh, yeah. 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 Draws was about to debut, but yeah, go 
Please yeah. keep going. Yeah, they also did. Uh, they also covered Draws, which I forgot. Even though I w- I saw this movie in theaters, and this was like before uh, my hometown had like a, a like a theater that would show documentaries. This is just a random wrestling documentary that showed up in the freaking uh, you know mass consumption cinema. Sick, and then like I remember being in the theater with like eight other people, and apparently. Two of them were, like, a mother and son. And there's, like, a scene where uh, Draws is essentially um, uh, auditioning for WWF. And Vince McMahon finds out that he can puke on command. So he tries to get that out of him. And Vince McMahon is just screaming at this grown man for, like, five minutes. He's gonna puke! He's gonna puke! And he just wants Draws to show him that he can puke. And that's when the mother and daughter, mother and son, left the theater. Yep. And uh, I stuck with it because it's horrifying. It's kind of emblematic of the Attitude Area in some ways. Yeah. Some the more horrible ways that WWE won't like uh, elaborate on in their uh, nostalgia trips. Oh yeah, no. All they did was they had DX ride around in in a tank and they yeah. blew up WCW and then they won. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I. Um, the those are the three people it focuses on. Yeah. Um, ECW is about to have barely legal their very right. first pay per view. So one of the most fascinating moments of that whole documentary is watching up and down a staircase backstage before the show happens. Paul Heyman is giving this rally the troops type of speech to mm-hmm. everybody who's about to perform, and it's everybody who works for the ECW company of consequence, including some people like Lance Storm and Rob Van Dam who are kind of contracting. And he just gives this mesmerizing speech to motivate them, and they put on an amazing show. Right. He tells them to be grateful to themselves, but grateful to people like Terry Funk, a veteran who just mm-hmm. like is uplifting all of them just by his presence. Right. And to go out there and just like seize the success and attention that they've been craving. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. It's a great like, peek behind the curtain. It's yep. also horrifying. Uh, which some of the best wrestling documentaries can be. Right. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, I don't think it's ever heartening to listen to somebody like Mick Foley admit, like, oh. I drove by my house because I was so concussed I didn't know where I lived. Yeah, he, yeah Foley in that documentary is, uh, it's messy. It's yeah. messy to watch, and it's kind of, it's sad and terrifying. But, I mean, it, yeah. I mean, there's something to be said for the uh, free will to... T- Fucking take a German suplex on the apron sometimes. Yep. Um, I mean, yeah, a lot has changed in 20 years since that was produced to now, but not a lot really has in terms of the violence and the bloodshed. Yeah. It's like the violence has just taken on a different form in some ways, which right. is interesting. Um, yeah. I'm sure that we could spend an episode on that. Um, yeah. Was there, um, let's see, what else was I going to bring up? Um, the Wrestling Road Diaries is something um, yeah. I watched a little bit. We'd watch a little bit of it together. Yeah. It's another three-hour episode, but that, that one's three hours because it wasn't edited down. Yeah, I thought I found it kind of unbearable. Like, yeah. The idea of it is it's Cole Cabana, uh, Brian Danielson in like the very like last days of his independent uh, wrestling days. Yeah. And uh, who's the third person who's on that? I don't even remember. Yeah. I just know that it, it like maybe uh, Cliff Compton or someone who's yeah. like friendly with Cole Cabana at the right. time. Yeah, so it's like it travels. It um, it's a documentary produced by them where they just show what it's like being on the road with each other. And it's just a little too much. Yeah, like of just traveling and ruminating. Uh, Daniel Bryan does buy a record that makes me think, "Hey, I have similar music taste to that guy." It's pretty <laughs> cool. Yeah, uh, <laughs> which like, like that was my one takeaway. Besides Charbo Guerrero, I can't really name that many people off the top of my head who, like, indie bands and other people have written, like, songs and ballads and albums about, from, aside from Brian Danielson. Yeah. 
that was part of what I listened to when I drove to WrestleMania this year with Ben Mozart because he made a whole playlist oh, based off of wrestling music. Nice, yeah. yeah. We just listened to podcasts in my car with Alyssa. Yeah. Um, and Elton John, mm-hmm. um, who is not a wrestler, but has a wrestler's panache for his, uh, theatrics. Yeah, his showmanship and just like the drama of his rise. I, I saw Rocketman in theaters with Sarah, oh, uh, nice. my girlfriend, and I liked it. I liked uh, Bohemian Rhapsody better, but mm, just like the temperamental nature of anybody who has to deal with, hey, guess what? You worked really hard. Uh, you're really young. But 4 or 5% of all the records on the planet are sold by you. Yeah. Deal with that. <laughs> yeah. I actually, I liked it significantly more than Bohemian Rhapsody. Mm. For kind of the same reasons I don't like watching a lot of WWE produced uh, documentaries because I feel like when it's the person telling their own mythology, it's kind of exhausting. Like, I have WWE's perspective based on their shows. I just don't uh, care for it. I do. I, they, they have done some stuff recently that I've enjoyed, though. But it's usually something that's, like, a little left of center from, like, something they're trying to sell. Yeah. Like, uh, have you seen the Bret Hart thing that they did that was, like, the Tom McGee match? No. They, they found this uh, this match that was legendary. Uh, basically oh. an audition match for this guy who they thought could be the next Hulk Hogan. Uh, that was a tape match for, that was so good that he was with WWF for, like, a year and a half, even though he had very little wrestling acumen. Uh but they finally found that thing, did a short, like, 30-minute documentary about why it was lost and uh, why tape traders wanted it so badly. And, yeah, it was it was interesting. Yeah. I mean, that. I think it's going to be true now and forever that the most compelling matches, well, maybe not now and forever, but just, like, 75% of the best matches ever are going to be off-camera because yeah. that's when the wrestlers are going to have the most freedom to take risks and yeah. entertain a live crowd and feed off that energy versus produce something for a mass audience. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I've i referenced at least almost once an episode the Ring of Honor show we went to in mm. 2012. Yes. Where, like, top to bottom, it was people who've gone on to, like, for the most part, bigger, better things. Right. Um, that, like, it's an experience live. Like, we we've at this point, have now been to, like, just this year, uh, TakeOver and yep. WrestleMania, mm-hmm. and uh, I've gotten the chance to go to uh, Uncharted Territory with Beyond, and yep. it's always in the Orange Cassidy show. Like, we've mm-hmm. seen so much wrestling this year that's been so much worth watching live yep. versus, um, like, just watching it on the network or subscription service, which, it's kind of the point. It's a yep. live medium. You should be mm-hmm. consuming it in, in person and feeding off personalities and paying it back with your money. Yep. Um, oh, you know, another good one that WWE did recently that was that I would not have expected, uh, they did a Nigel McGuinness thing. Nice. That's like really, you know, I was kind of uh, wondering how they would do it because, I mean, obviously he never wrestled for WWE. Uh, he was all, he was mostly a Ring of Honor guy, yep. some impact in his career. Yep. Uh, but they did a good job getting like little bits of clips and like telling his story and it's like very humanizing and beautiful and, uh, you know, I kind of think that like it kind of ends on a, well, now he's an announcer, and his dream is kind of being in the WWE has kind of come true. Ugh. It's a little, little mushy in that yeah. sense, but it's like it's it is a good portrait of a guy, yeah. You know, which is kind of like uh, what I like to see, um, or you know, guy or girl. I I really like that Stardom episode of Viceland. Yeah, uh, I wish there was more of it because uh, they only I, I could I could I could do with seeing more of uh, the backstories of some of the people who decide to be in Stardom uh, yeah. or any Joshi company. Just off of the the back of the Nigel yeah. um, documentary, here's what I'd be interested to see like ten years from now, mm. or even five years from now, 
is the end point is Nigel McGuinness is now an announcer. He didn't really plan on it, but he's doing it. Yep. I want to see in five or ten years Corey Graves' story from mm. killing announcing, yeah. of just becoming the modern-day Bobby Heenan. Yeah. All the trials and tribulations of just like his wife publicly being like, yep, we're getting separated, yeah. and still soldiering on, doing his job. Arguably still the best announcer the WWE has live on the, has live sure. on the mic, who isn't Morrow. Yeah. Like, it... That I want to hear more about, of just, like, you had this dream of being a world-famous, like, rock star athlete, and yeah. you couldn't. Yeah. Your body, like, got yeah, hurt. Yeah, you got concussed and uh, had to do something else. Right. Which, like, could have been Daniel Bryan, and could have been so many people. Yeah. But it is him, and rather than just kind of not give it his all, which it is not to say, like, a lot of wrestlers who try, who try their hand at announcing and it doesn't work out don't try hard. It's mm. just... He slid right into it. Yeah. Um, his commentary for uh, Sami Zayn winning the NXT title made it so much more. Yeah. And that's always supposed to be the point for me of, of announcing. It's like, are you adding to the moment? If not, mm -hmm. shut up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there's some good stuff out there. I think, uh, yeah, I hope that there's more documentaries, as there always are. Yeah. Uh, whatever. The, the most recent episode of uh, The Wrestlers is about death matches. Mm. So, I... I can't watch it because I'm out of browsers <laughs> to uh, <laughs> use free passes on. Okay. Uh, but I will find a way. Maybe it'll be like on demand at my mom's house or something like that. I yeah. I'll find a, I'll, I'll find it somehow. But yeah. Yeah. There's good stuff out there, and I enjoy it all. Um, yeah. I feel like the closest thing that lives and breathes now to like a documentary, but like, it's not. But it yeah. leaves Easter eggs for things that promote what's coming next. Is being the elite. I don't oh, yeah. love it. I think the humor is overdone, and I think it's very much like them making each other laugh versus whoever's watching. Right. But it's the closest thing you're going to get to a living, breathing testimonial of this is our lives, this is how much True. we care about it, and this yeah. is why you should watch what we do next. Actually, WWE's PC uh, Performance Center uh, YouTube channel yeah. is also kind of, is a little bit more closer to a living, breathing thing, but yeah, you're right. That yeah. is like very much, they very much pull their lives into whatever their story they're telling yeah. in that show. WWPC, I feel like it's like the successor to Breaking Ground. I wish yeah. Breaking Ground got more. Yeah, it's there were like ten episodes, right? Something like that. I was like, something like that. I was scrolling through their what they have on the network in terms of documentaries to prepare for this. Yeah, and there were only like ten episodes, which is too bad. It. I mean, it's more or less the reason why I'm still a huge Mojo Rawley fan. I'm just like, that's who he is. Get yeah. that on camera. Stop putting stupid glass breaking face paint <laughs> on him and make him yell at himself. Yeah. Let him be that. I'm okay with the glass breaking as if it just petered out because they just don't follow through with anything. Right. It's too bad. Um, yep. And so for like for Mojo and for Dana Brooke, I'm just like, you guys care. You guys work hard. I want to see you guys get rewarded yeah. for it. Yeah. Well, that's the, I guess that's the dark side of seeing behind the curtain because yeah. otherwise I would have been like, these people are shitty. Hmm. Uh, I don't have to care about them. Yeah. You know, this is the perspective they want us to have. But then right. they've given up this window of being like, oh, these people are people. Yeah. And uh, they're trying... And they're just not getting the opportunities that they need, which is too bad. I mean, the hope is that, like, the flip side to the dark side of that is that you get excited for when they get a the chance to do something else. Like, yeah. Neville was red hot and is Pac now and is right. the Dragon Gate champion. Yep. So your hope is that when people who are, dis like, either disgruntled or just frustrated enough that they're voicing that they want to leave and that they can't, people like Luke Harper, mm. that when they get set free, they go and do fabulous things. Like, yeah. same with Sean Spears, same with John Moxley. Yeah. Social media is the real documentary. <laughs> the documentary was the friends we made the, the whole way. God, it, it, social media is so fascinating. Of just yeah. like we, it's been what four thousand years since the Egyptians, and we're going back to hieroglyphics. Right, <laughs> <laughs> Eden. There's a, a a reading way that you know how to read. You're just pictures. 
pictures I can paint. <laughs> <laughs> I have a cat painting, uh, an app that lets my cat paint, and sometimes he does it. Um... <laughs> <laughs> if that doesn't make you rush and buy the app right now, I don't know what will. Our sponsor this week is Sometimes My Cat Paints, a video series produced, written, and directed by Jerpo Apple. I gotta put his paintings on his Instagram. Uh, <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, I don't know. Should we start winding down? Do we have any other thoughts about uh, fucking documentaries and wrestling? Any yeah. Any recommendations you want to throw out there? Um, yeah, I mean, big re- big recommendation for the rise and fall of mm, ECW. Um, my name is Paul Heyman is very good mm. to just get a sense of how the hell did this amazing pitchman transition into being a manager, announcer, owner, personality. He's done it all except for actually wrestling. I mean, he did some of that a little bit, but yeah. not like... He's known the, for it. He's one of the most successful people in the world who never had to step in the ring. Right. Yeah. Um, wrestling with Shadows, it of does course. not all of it necessarily holds up, but Bret Hart is such a spellbinding just orator in yeah. his very Canadian dad yeah. way that like but what he says is compelling. So if you right. can stay awake, like yeah. you're yeah. you're he's, compelled. Yeah. And I mean it is like an important document of like one of the most uh influential moments. Like, yeah. this is the biggest turning point in wrestling, in a way. Right. Um, so definitely those, and uh, The Resurrection of Jake Roberts, which is, I believe, still on Netflix. I don't think it is. I'll check again. Sure. I tried to look for it, like, earlier, because I wanted to watch it in yeah. preparation for this, but I couldn't uh, find it. But it might still be there. Maybe I just wasn't looking for the right thing. I mean, if the worst case is that someone has to get a subscription to DDP Yoga and get in <laughs> shape and yeah. watch a thing, that's not so bad. But, yeah, um, yeah it's Scott Hall and Jake, Ray- yeah, Jake Roberts basically mm. get to reinvent their physical fitness and therefore their lives through yeah. exercise and friendship. It's yeah. an amazing story. Yeah. Yeah, They there's a lot of wrestlers with some really interesting uh, non-ring stories. Yep. And uh, it's good that we get to tell them sometimes and get to see them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, not even documentary material, but in terms of just, like, interesting follow-up, I am uh, a subscriber and a contributor to uh, Nogger U for OSW Review. They mm-hmm. do very good, ret- um, like, where are they now type of pieces, like on Ed Leslie, Brutus the Barber, and mm-hmm. other people, but Cultaholic Solid, of yes. just, like, where are they now? It's the good kind of comedy that doesn't take itself too seriously, nice. but also gives you some interesting information on just, like, oh, where is Virgil? Yeah. Don't don't worry about Virgil. Yeah, he's fine. Yeah. He's, uh, he's a meme. And <laughs> that is the best, uh, that is what we all, all want to ascend to. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to live forever as that guy in the back of the room selling $10 photos of themselves. Yep. Yeah. That is, I mean, if I could sell it, even one ten dollar photo of myself, uh, that's five days of cat food essentially. Uh, <laughs> Brought to you by sometimes my cat paints. <laughs> sometimes he does. Sometimes he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> the dark side of Keaton napping. Oh God. Uh, yeah. So this has been the wrestle down. Uh, anything you want to add, Dennis? Uh, congratulations to Orange Cassidy. You're the independent t- That's TV true. wrestling yeah. champion again. You beat an alien to do it. God. <laughs> oh, the alien. But she'll be fine. Yeah. She's got other things lined up. And, uh, yeah, this has been the Wrestle Down. Uh, rewind, play, rewind again. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you should do to this episode. I don't know. <laughs> if you play it backwards, we give you a review of Super Showdown. <laughs> the inner monologue of Bill Goldberg's Hugh <laughs> Gus Brain. 
<laughs> said the Undertaker. <laughs> uh, <laughs>